Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Celine. Celine is a huge Dark Souls fan, uh, primarily Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne, so we spent a lot of our time today discussing that. Um, she's also a musician, so if you wait till the end of the episode, you can hear some of her uh, incredible progressive rock music, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Thank you, everybody, for listening, as always, and remember, just enjoy this episode. up dark souls because one of my friends was uh my friend archie i don't know if he's related to this podcast at all uh was super into dark souls and was telling me mostly that it's really really difficult um so i picked it up at a GameStop in like actually five years ago today um and i kind of let it sit on my shelf for about eight months um i picked it up that november and I ended up playing for like eight hours that first day and I made it into the parish. And I think the moment I knew that this game was like for me and when it finally clicked was this enormous sense of relief I got when I was walking down into, you know, the path down to Andre's uh, and that whole bonfire. I heard Andre's hammer going off and I had no idea what it was. I was completely terrified because that's the kind of game this was. And I saw the bonfire, and I actually said, with my voice, praise the sun. And that that <laughs> moment of relief, that absolute oh, relief God. that washed over me when I saw it was just... That's the second I knew that this game was for me. What were you uh, playing around this time? Like, were you, were, you, were you playing a lot of RPGs? Were you playing a lot of quote-unquote difficult games? Like, Dark Souls has a reputation of being... See, like, that's the thing. This was the first game known for its difficulty that I was even really playing. I uh, Before this, I was playing a lot of, like, Tales of games and the Darksiders series. You know, kind of weird stories, but, like, still kind of easy to figure out. And this was the first game I played that had this difficulty built into it. And I didn't really know what to expect. At, at first, I was terrified of the fact that people could come into my game and, and mess with me constantly because that was the invasions were all I knew about. And I thought that was, Oh, this is, this game is horrifying. I can't play this. I'm so scared of that. Um, and then I realized once I started playing that I can just not go human and it's not an issue anymore. So yeah, you can just not be human. Right. Yeah. So just before dark souls, I was just playing like, big 60 hour jrpgs and things like that um uh yeah. i mean god love you because wow <laughs> i don't <laughs> I, I, those 60 hour jrpgs are something that always like attracts me like i keep thinking like i'm gonna buy final fantasy 15 or i'm gonna buy persona 5 or just re- most recently i'm gonna pre-order dragon quest 11 for no reason and like i just don't know why my body thinks that i want to play those games like I, there's something in my brain that's like you want to go play these games and like no i don't i don't actually want to do that at all <laughs> yeah, and I I get that too, and like I think it might also be worse for me because I'm a bit of a completionist. Um, I've I've done that with. Let me pull up my notes here. Uh, I've gotten six platinum trophies in the Dark Souls series, um, and those of you who are good at math might realize that there are not six Dark Souls games. Um, <laughs> I've platted. Yeah, I've uh, I've platted Dark Souls one twice. Um, 
Dark Souls 2 and Scholar of the First Sin, and then Demons and Dark Souls 3. Extremely good. But not Bloodborne. I don't hear Bloodborne in that list. Yeah, that's... um, So, Bloodborne... um, I'm having the same problem with Bloodborne that I did initially with platting Demon Souls, in that Mm -hmm. one enemy with a very rare and important stone is eluding me constantly. (laughs) <laughs> I, <yeah>. I'm trying <laughs> to think of yeah, what, uh, uh, what what enemy in Bloodborne would do that. I don't I don't remember. Queen Yarnum. I I've not done any of the chalice dungeons beyond oh, what's yeah. like required, so gotcha. I've never okay. gone that deep. Um, everybody's yeah, so, everybody's favorite dungeons, the chalice dungeons. Yeah, I'm I'm of two minds about those, but I feel like that's. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself and I think we're going to do Bloodborne later in the podcast. Sure, yeah, yeah, we can, we can come back to that. So yeah, let's, let's, let's get back to Dark Souls. Let's not get ahead of ourselves on, on Bloodborne just yet. Uh, so you, you were playing through Dark Souls for the first time. Do you mind telling me kind of about your build at that point? Like were, were you, were you doing anything special like with the giant weapon or were you just kind of going through and doing anything that worked basically? Uh, so the first thing I heard about uh, when I was making characters was pyromancers. So I rolled a pyro, um, not because I knew pyromancy was super broken in Dark Souls 1, but because I really like magic in all games, and I really like fire magic. Um, and that's that's been consistent with my entire Dark Souls experience. I've never rolled a character with like a giant weapon. Um, I've also never rolled a miracle build, which... I don't know. Miracles just don't like appeal to me, but, um, but yeah, I rolled pyromancy. Um, and I found out cause I, I got into it in like 2013. Um, so it had been out for two years already and I had gotten, um, I found out about the wiki dot and I had, I was unable to resist spoiling myself. So I kind of just redhead <laughs> piece by piece. Um, I, tr- I tried, I really tried. Um, one thing I did not spoil myself on, and I only remember this because I have a Tumblr post about it, um, was fighting the bell gargoyles. And I think my post just reads in all caps, why are there two gargoyles? <laughs> That's that surprise when the second one jumps out is, is always really, really fun. Just like a kind of a holy shit moment of like, what, what, what? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh. That was a great fight. Um, I was very, very frightened the whole time. It was great. Um, but the pyromancy builds, I I found out, and I think I kind of pieced together that it was broken. Um, I found out that the I could just level it up with souls. So I ended up grinding souls and going to first Laurentius and then um, Quailana, I think. Yeah, Quailana. Yeah, Quailana. Um, and, like, it was... So... So I ended up going into the Ornstein Smo fight um, when I finally got into An Orlando, and I can talk about An Orlando for a while too. Uh, but I ended up going in there with an ascended pyromancy flame plus two, um, <laughs> and just shredding yeah. literally everything. <laughs> That's what it, it took me two tries, and I felt like I was missing out because like these guys are supposed to be super super tough, and then I just had I didn't even summon Solaire for it. I had like no issues. Um, and I felt like I kind of cheated myself out of it. I still stuck with pyromancy. I brought it up to ascended plus five and I beat the game with it, but I don't know. It, it felt really, really broken. Um, which it was. Yeah. That's kind of like a, what that's one of the things that I like about dark souls one is that, uh, it's, it's, I mean, the other games are like this too, but they started kind of proactively defending against severely broken builds like they kind of nerfed luck in dark souls 3 because it was a little op and uh dark souls 1 is you can still have some 
completely broken shit and it's just so much fun to play like i like that i like i like that like i think that's a lot of fun yeah it was it was it was absolutely a lot of fun that's my favorite part about like any kind of video game really where i get powerful enough that i can snap it over my knee exactly yeah 100 percent it's something that I I, uh, I just genuinely enjoy with video games, and, and just I was talking about this with somebody, and I don't remember. Oh, uh, I was talking about this with Gary, uh, my, my friend Gary from the Days of Future Cast podcast, and uh, we were talking about Binding of Isaac and how like the rush that you get once like something clicks, and all of a sudden your build gets ridiculous, and you're just like filling the screen with you know giant exploding tears and destroying everything in one hit. Like that moment of <laughs> yeah, is is just one of the best in video games. It makes up for the 30 attempts where you died on the second floor up to that right like and that's what that's what dark souls does too is like when you're looping back around and you feel like that godlike power and then first directly like against something that you spent six hours getting through the first first time that's the satisfying thing yeah it's it's so good i was looking through some of my old tweets from when i was uh playing through this Mm -hmm. and apparently on my new game plus run um it took me like two hours to get to an orlando when it had taken me about 20 to get there my first time (laughs) yeah i know exactly how you feel (laughs) but part okay part of those 20 hours and this is another thing that i like didn't spoil myself on part of those 20 hours was because i missed the elevator in sense fortress i didn't know it was there like i had the cage key i Mm -hmm. I started with the master key I, i got the cage key and I just didn't know the elevator was there, so I got really, really good at navigating Sense Fortress backwards when I had to go back without the Lord Vessel to visit, like, Laurentius. Oh, I, I couldn't get there yeah. from Enerlando, so... Um, Man, that's a pain in the ass going yeah. backwards through Sins. I've done it a few times, and it's, it's never fun. Like, it's just not a fun thing to do. Yeah, it's it's super not great. It's almost like they put that elevator in there for a reason, and <laughs> I just I didn't notice it blended in with the cages so well. And I was just, oh, I guess. I mean, Dark Souls is hard. I guess it's going to make me go through this backwards too. So, so to make you feel better, um, I got stuck in my first playthrough for Dark Souls One because, uh, like, eventually, and I got to in Orlando and had to restart, and like I did a lot of bad stuff in my first run. Um, but eventually, I just could not figure out how to get to New Londo. And somebody was like, take the stairs from Fire Lake Shrine. And I was like, the stairs go to the, the you know, Undead Berg. What are you talking about? They're like, no, the other stairs. And it's like, that's how I discovered that there was like a downstairs to Fire Lake and you could go to New Londo that way. I had no clue. I just had no no clue whatsoever to how to get down there. So <laughs> Dark yeah, Souls makes was, idiots uh, of us all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's refreshing to know. Like, so I, this, I, I promise this ties in. Um, so... I was listening to um, the episode you did with Robin, and he mentioned that that, um, that he he was comparing playing Dark Souls to reading Gravity's Rainbow. Yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and when I first heard that, I was like, "Huh, that doesn't make any sense." But then I thought about it some more, and I'm like, "No, yeah, that actually makes perfect sense." But for me, it wasn't Gravity's Rainbow. It was, um, and I, this is the nerdiest thing I could say. Uh, for me, playing Dark Souls for the first time was a lot like reading House of Leaves for the first time. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if you've read House of Leaves. Are you? Uh, are you familiar with Bonfire Sides yet? Have you listened to that podcast at all? I haven't yet. I have a, a lot of podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah, that and, I need and, to work yeah. And, and recommendations are absolute poison. So like, it's one of those things. But um, one of the hosts of that of that podcast is Cole Ross, and Cole is a uh, like I remember him bringing up House of Leaves probably like forty five times throughout the life of that podcast. Like not even, and, and also all of his other shows. <laughs> he loves to talk about that book. So <laughs> you're you're in good company, okay. is what I'm saying. Okay, well that's good. So I won't go like too deep in the paint with this one, but like. 
for me, like when I picked up House of Leaves, I was like, oh, books. I know what those are. Because um, I thought I knew what I was getting into, and I had that same reaction with Dark Souls. And then I open up House of Leaves, and the first line is, this is not for you. And it was the first time that I really consumed a piece of media where the world it was constructing did not want me to be there. And I got very much that same feeling from Dark Souls, that I felt like a complete intruder on the world that was being established here, that I did not belong, that the world wanted me out of it. So... It, it That's was one of the interesting things really about cool that concept. about that narrative is that it 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 you're not the hero of that story, right? Like it, it at best you're just some dude. <laughs> you're just some dude that like got tricked into doing a thing. And I think that's what I love about the Souls games is they don't really necessarily make you the the one that's saving the day and saving the girl and you know winning the day or whatever. Like it's just it's just <clears throat> excuse me. It's just you know you just happen to be there, and you don't really know what you're doing there. You're just you know okay, I'm going to go forward. Yeah, and, and Souls was like the first game that I kind of played that had this sort of story. Like I mentioned, the the JRPGs and things like that. They they had worlds that were like, they made sense. They were a little weird, but they were internally consistent. Um, but Dark Souls was like the first time I played a game with a hero that wasn't, or a playable character that wasn't some sort of like legendary hero. And it kind of got me into more games like that. Like I was talking about this in, in the podcast Discord last night. Um if I hadn't played Dark Souls, I would probably have never gotten into like Nier and Nier Automata because they're mm-hmm. just such weird games with complex stories and complex character motivations. And once I got into Dark Souls, I kind of started wanting more of that in my life and in the games I played. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, I look at that from the opposite perspective of like getting into Dark Souls prevented me from playing a lot of games. Like I just all of a sudden <laughs> games were just not as good as Dark Souls, so I didn't want to play them anymore. Um, but you're but you're absolutely right. Like when you find that thing that that Dark Souls does, or that like a game like Near does, where it brings you into its world completely, you just you just crave that more than anything. Like that's I, I keep looking for the next Dark Souls or the next Deer, Near or the next I almost said Deer, which is a totally different <laughs> version of the of Near that Yoko Toro did for April Fool's Day this year, which would be pretty yeah. hilarious. No, I'm kidding. Uh, just picturing like the the art of like a deer with a two B outfit and then having anyway I don't know why I'm going with it where I'm going with this joke but I'm having a good time with it. It's, no, it's a good joke. <laughs> I don't know. It really amuses me for some reason. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, once you once you once you once you click with that, like you click with that in a way that is like it just kind of ruins all games for you, but also it makes those kind of games that you can find even better because that's what you've been looking for. Yeah, and part of the thing, because uh, I know you ask a bunch of your other guests this, part of the part of the thing that drew me into Dark Souls so much was the way it kind of like drip fed me the story mm-hmm. and all the lore that came with it. I I have always loved really intricate lore in things I can consume. Like I'm a huge fan of you know House of Leaves, obviously. Um, the band Coheed and Cambria, every single one of their albums is a huge lore bomb. Um, oh, I really? Love that stuff. Interesting. Yeah, I like I like music. I like now. music that does that a lot. Like I, would, um, I remember, like listen. This is going to sound so fucking stupid. I'm I'm so sorry, everybody. But like <laughs> when I was like a teenager and finding Tool for the first time and thinking that like, oh man, like that Third Eye song is like 27 minutes and it's telling me a story about whatever. Like that. Like I love I love it when music <laughs> has lore like that. Like it's fun. Yeah, no, I could I could honestly start my own podcast about Coheed and Cambria, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're they're like prog rock. They're really I know you just said recommendations are poison, but like whatever. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, but, but yeah, the lore is what really drew me into it. And, um, without, without getting into like bummer territory, um, around the time that dark souls two came out, I had to leave the East coast and move to the West coast. Um, and that was a huge cross country drive with my boyfriend. And at one point, um, I think it was four years ago today, actually, um, he tricked me into talking about Dark Souls 1 lore for two hours so I would not fall asleep in the middle of the night while driving. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm proud of him for doing it, but I'm mad it works. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, it's an easy thing to do, though, because once you get a Dark Souls fan talking about like Dark Souls lore, like it's just really easy to start rambling at people about that. I have to stop myself from doing it sometimes. So. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, um, that's... Yeah. The, there's a bartender at the Vietnamese place that we go to 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 grab some pho every once in a while, and uh, she started playing Dark Souls. And uh, my, I don't think my wife was mad at me, but like she was like, "Okay, you have to stop." Like every time I would go in, I'd be like, "Hey Jessica, like where are you at in Dark Souls?" Like I would be basically doing a "Don't Give Up Skeleton" episode with her, and my wife is like, "You need. To, <laughs> we're at the bar. Like we're at a restaurant. Like you need to pay attention to me and just like you, you know, don't don't interview people for your podcast at this <laughs> restaurant, please." It's interesting, like you, you mentioned, kind of that that cross country journey. Um, I, I find it kind of fascinating how people have uh, looked to Dark Souls to to help them through trying times. Like uh, several people in this podcast have talked about it, and I know, like for myself, that that that's definitely been the case. Of I want something comforting and familiar. Like has that has that happened to you as well? Where you've turned to these games for, if not just straight escapism, then for just like something familiar to to get into. Uh, yeah, I could. I could say that that's happened to me. Um, let me pull up my notes to get some dates here. Uh, so, um, like I mentioned about four years ago today was when I had to do that cross country trip. Um, a couple months before that, I ended up for some reason, it was, it was like during a polar vortex up in uh, Western Maryland where I was. So there was like nothing really to do, uh, except be depressed and play video games. I ended up playing dark souls for like 36 hours straight. Um, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, it just, you know, brought me a lot of joy in the very, very cold winter months. And was it just like the, was it just that you were kind of addicted to it or was it like your only game at the time or was it just something that you, you were doing just to, to get away from something like I need to, and we don't have to get into personal territory if you don't want to. So like, I'm just kind of curious, like the, just with the relationship with the game, like was that just you like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this now. Like this is all that I really want to focus on. Yeah, it was kind of that. I had other games, but like Dark Souls, by that point I had gotten the plat on Dark Souls. I think I might have been working through Dark Souls on PS3 because I started on uh, 360 mm -hmm. and I was like going to re-plat it on PS3. Um, but yeah, I had a bunch of other games to play and like Dark Souls was kind of the only thing that seemed appealing just because I understood it the best of all the games I had. And I was just, again, like super into the lore. Um, and it just, it, it did. It brought me a bunch of comfort. Um, and after working to plat demon souls, uh, it was nice to go back to a game with a slightly more sane drop system. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. nice to be able to just like, you know, kill an enemy and just have it drop something without it running off the map and then killing itself and never getting to drop again and having to start a new game cycle. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Demon souls. Thanks. Demon souls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You started with Dark Souls one. When did you when did you play Demon Souls? Just out of curiosity. So I did Dark One in uh, November 2013. I picked up Demons in January 2014. So it was like really close together. I did gotcha. um, 
I did Dark Souls 1, then Demons, then Dark Souls 1 on a different system, all within like three months of each other. <laughs> Just consuming the Souls <laughs> content as fast as possible, huh? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then a month afterwards, Dark Souls 2 came out, so I was just, like, super revved up uh, mainlining Dark Souls, basically. And if I remember right, uh, you're, you're, you're a very big Dark Souls 2 fan. I am. I know, uh, I know you said that we can't be friends because I like Dark Souls 2 the best, but... Um, <laughs> I actually, so, you know, I, I make those jokes because uh, it's just funny to kind of dog on, on Dark Souls 2 a lot of times, but I, I genuinely like Dark Souls 2. Like, it's a great game. It's it's really fun, and I really like a lot of the, the stuff that they did that they've gotten away from in, in subsequent Souls games I wish they would go back to. So, as much as as much as I like to joke about that, I don't I don't actually think you're a bad person for liking Dark Souls 2. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I do know it's the secret best Souls game so um all of them are that's true that's that's a secret uh so yeah dark souls 2 um i started that before the cross-country trip and i ended it i platted it uh after i made it to california um and i think a lot of the things that drew me to it along from it being like a, a really important comfort game for me because i was going through a lot of stuff at that point um it was it was the first Souls game I could play where I could like discover everything on my own, where I didn't have to worry about falling to the temptation of Wikidot or Factor Life or anything like that. Uh, I, it was just all you know. It was there, and I could I actually I kept a journal of like all the rings I found and all the gestures and spells and everything like that because I knew there were trophies, but I also wanted to learn the world and learn where everything was hidden. Mm-hmm. And I could do that for the first time, and I was doing it with like everybody else, and it was honestly super awesome and that's that's part of the reason i like dark souls 2 so much and um the other part is the rat king covenant (laughs) so it's it's the the online discovery and like the being able to share with people on the internet like oh look what i found and the kind of the sense of the unknown and also this one particular boss fight with a bunch of rats that's what i'm hearing Uh, it was two boss fights. Thank you very much. Oh, I guess yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. The uh, um, th- th- that, yeah. Th- man, that those rat those rat boss fights are, are, are kind of hilarious to me. Like in a lot of ways, like it's just they're so weird. Like I think back and I'm like, man, that's a weird boss fight. Oh yeah, the the whole the whole concept of the Rat King Covenant in those two areas is super weird, and it's like never been done in another Souls game like before or after, and it just. So, like, I usually, I don't like invading. I feel like a jerk when I have to invade because I'm just, like, ruining somebody else's life most of the time. I'm not super into PvP, you may have been able to tell. But with um, with the Rat King Covenant, I could kind of construct my own little funhouse of traps with all these Pharaoh's Lockstones I've been getting. I could just stand in plain sight of whoever entered and do the welcome gesture, and it would be a grand old time. Um, but they got summoned into my world. So if they died or if I killed them, then they didn't lose anything when they get back to their world. And that kind of made it a little easier for me to deal with the fact that I was like reverse invading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just it was a lot of fun. Um it was I I've always preferred like PvE covenants when I can. Like I was Chaos Servant all the way in Dark Souls 1. Um usually I've been doing like Warriors of Sunlight whenever I can in Dark Souls 3, because uh, there isn't really a PvE covenant there. Um, but yeah, it's I it, it was just a lot of fun to like show people this new area and show everything that that I've done with it and uh, watch them die to all my bonfire aesthetic mammoths. <laughs> There's that that man, what an interesting 
just like what a kind of a fascinating idea that is for to, to for a Dark Souls game where you can you know forcefully summon somebody into your world of traps and kill them and then it's almost uh like I, I liked it too because their goal wasn't necessarily to kill you like if they just got to the exit like, I don't remember what the exit was like oh if they got to the boss door or something they could they could go back home I don't quite remember there was something they could do like they didn't have to kill you to get back home like they could actually come like get to the end of the you know the trap fest or whatever and then they could they could go back home and like with a prize basically which i really liked like they it was it sets it up so that here's this obstacle course and you have to run past it right like that's that's so much fun to me yeah the the win condition was that they just had to make it through all of my tricks and traps and uh get to the boss door and then if they do that then or get to the room like right before the boss door with the bonfire in it um that's what it was yeah and i and I liked that there was, especially in uh, Doors of Pharos, there was just like one trap you could put that was a wall that separated them from like the shortcut to the bonfire. So they would have to go all the way around. <laughs> I know exactly the one you're talking about. Absolutely. And I would get so frustrated because uh, like once you set those traps, like you don't you can't unset them. Right. So like you would you would set that trap and be like, OK, well, I am now committed to walking all the way around this thing myself when I need to go back, go past here for the rest of time. <laughs> so kind of, oh yeah, yeah, which was really funny. Yeah. I have, I've definitely eaten shit to my own traps. Let's be real here. <laughs> um, it was great. <laughs> uh, what did you like? So did you have that same sense of discovery with uh, bloodborne or dark souls three when those came out that you were talking about? Yeah, with dark souls I, I absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne came out first. I did spend four hundred fifty dollars on Bloodborne. Yep. Um, Welcome to the club. It was, uh, it, <laughs> it was a fantastic purchase. I love my PS4. Um, Bloodborne is now that we're in this part of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Bloodborne is interesting. It's uh, it's probably one of the most difficult Souls games for me um, because I need a lot of ramp up time to get back into the mood of it, and I need a lot of ramp downtime to get into any other game in the soul series because of it. Um, like I, I remember I was playing bloodborne for a while and then I went back to dark souls two and I tried to, uh, chug an Estus right in the middle of one of the pursuers attacks because I was expecting it to be as fast as the blood vial. And no, it, <laughs> it was not. not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bloodborne uh, can so. really break you for other souls games for a little while. Just like, Oh, I want a two hand my weapon. Like, whoop, nope, nope, nope. That's a blood vial. <laughs> that's not what I was trying to do yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, I I didn't know anything. Well, I knew I knew like tangential stuff about Lovecraft lore, but I had no idea that it was going to show up in Bloodborne at all. So I think I was surprised as everybody else when you know the Blood Moon came out and I killed Rom. I, jumping down into the lake at Bergenworth was like mind blowing because I had no idea it was coming at all. I and yeah, it I I had no idea what was going on in that game, and it was super cool. It was a great take on a classic formula for FromSoft games. Um, and the thing is, like, it's just, I'm used to, I'm used to having a shield and, like, turtling up and being able to defend myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not really an aggressive player unless I've been playing Bloodborne for a while and I'm, like, in the mindset of aggressive play. So, I I mean, you said earlier you didn't hear a plat uh, for Bloodborne on my list, and, yeah, I, I don't have one. I want to get one, but I don't know if I'm going to, because it takes a lot more skill. It takes a lot of, uh, of dedication towards getting good. And <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I feel uh, like I have that, but <laughs> those chalice dungeons like that. I think that's the, the, the real breaking point for a lot of people is you can do all of the, the trophies for that game and then be like, Oh, I need to go through, um, 
like you know probably a good 15 hours worth of hell to get one more trophy so that i can get the plat <laughs> like, and that's and that's chalice dungeons.txt is just 15 hours of hell so yeah and like it's it's a really cool concept um i didn't like roguelikes at the time of uh me playing you know bloodborne for the first time i've since gotten into some more i've gotten really into dead cells which is like metroidvania roguelike um and I, I feel like I would have more appreciation for the Chalice Dungeons if I went back and did them now. But every time I think that, I also think, oh, there's one where you have to fight Amygdala in a really tiny room, and also you have half health the entire time. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> um, having having done that myself many times, you probably don't want to. Like, it's, it's not... <laughs> I'm not... And that's the thing when, uh, and this is, you know, way, way back when uh, my friend uh, Gary that I mentioned earlier, who does the Bonfire Side Chat, uh, he did a stream and we had the idea, he was doing a charity stream and he had the idea of like, uh, let's bring Jeremy on and Jeremy will help me through the chalices of Bloodborne, which I hate and he loves and we can have the great chalice debate. And this was like before that got kind of played out or whatever. This was like the year that the game came out. Um and it was it was tough. It's tough being a chalice defender because, like, yes, I, I I see all of your problems. Like, I know exactly what everybody has has a problem with with chalice dungeons, and I still love them. <laughs> like, I love my sweet problem child dungeons. <laughs> so it's it's not something that I can really we can really defend because it's not good. Like a lot of that stuff is just not great. Like hiding all of that content, hiding the queen of Yarnum behind you know the defiled dungeon is one of the meanest things I think that From Software has ever done. <laughs> especially because you just not really that meaningful when you kill her. Like it's just an interesting boss fight that I think other people should be exposed to. Uh, but it's just so mean that they hit it behind some of the worst boss fights. So, yeah, I don't know. I wish, I wish those were better, right? Like I wish they were better. And I, I but I, I'm, and I'm so mad that because of the backlash against them when the game came out, like they'll probably never try it again. So it's going to be lost to time at that point. Yeah, and that's kind of a bummer because I will always appreciate a game that tries and fails more than a game that just doesn't try. And, Absolutely, and that was yeah. that was the Chalice Dungeons. Yeah, that's that's something interesting about media in general. I think, and and Dark Souls is something that I think has has done this done this as well. Like to you know going back to Demon Souls or even like going back to Kingsfield or Shadow Tower where they were trying like the weirdest shit and everybody hated it at the time. But you go back and you're like, Oh yeah, this was actually legit. Like this was actually really good. It was just way ahead of its time and it was kind of crippled by the the hardware that it was on. So yeah. Yeah. Those games are from like, I call it the, the lawless wasteland of PS2 games where you could just basically put out whatever and people would buy it um, just because the PS2 is everywhere and had a huge install base. So you could just put out whatever and, it was, yeah, it was when you super think great about for really weird games. When you think about those consoles, uh, like the it definitely feels like the Nintendo and the PlayStation Two were, were both like that, right? Where they were just like people were like actively experimenting with games at that point and just putting stuff out because there was, you know, hey, there was twenty thousand million of these things out there. So if you know five <laughs> percent buys that, then hey, I've made a profit on this weird ass game. So yeah, and that's. That's where we got Drakengard, and I could do another podcast uh, in conjunction with my Cody and Cambria podcast about Drakengard. So, <laughs> Don't uh, give up, Android, is what everyone keeps telling me to do. It is, <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. It's not going to happen. I'm just not I'm, not. I'm not there yet. Well, I might be. We'll see. <laughs> well, if you start it up between uh, now and when this podcast comes out, let me know, and I'll definitely, I'll definitely promote it for you. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think watching people play, uh, it, and this is something that like it goes back to the, the, the you know 
there's just something weird about these games that attract you to them. But like Dark Souls and Nier are two of those games that I can watch people play through blind for the first time and have just as much fun as if I was playing playing through it on my own, right? Yeah, like I remember, um, and I don't do this anymore because I've kind of stopped finding joy in actively misleading people when they're playing these games. Um, but I remember one time. I was uh, watching my friend play Dark Souls 1 for the first time, and uh, me and my friends convinced him to jump down the well in Firelink, because we told him that there was a super cool item down there. Um, (laughs) And he spent spent like 15 minutes trying to do it, and then he just died, and so did we, of laughter. There was a, um, I can never remember the the YouTuber, but this was an old, old, old Dark Souls YouTube video, um, where this dude invaded and he just started uh, sending the host messages saying stuff like, follow me. I'll, I'll lead you to treasure and like have this dude follow him down into the depths. And then once they got to the bottom of the depths, just use the uh, force spell to keep him in place while the, <laughs> with the curse frogs just, you know, while the basilisk just oh, cursed no. him. And I just like the whole setup of like that, that convincing somebody that you're all right is so fascinating to me. It's, it's so wild. And like, I, I, my opinion on it has, like, I'll still watch people do it. I still think it's very funny when other people do it. I just don't really want to do it myself anymore because, uh, above all else with these games, um, I love them. I love them so much and I want other people to love them too. And I think actively kind of being a jerk to people who are trying to get into it and like deliberately misleading them is kind of uh, defeating the point of that. But it's still also very funny to watch people do it on YouTube. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 part of a good debate because um, with the Dark Souls remaster coming out, I've heard some people say like it'd be nice if they somehow prevented uh, people from invading in the Berg, and and griefing new players because you know that was a real big turnoff for you know whoever was talking about it. And I get it, I totally one hundred percent get it. If 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 you open up a game and the first thing that happens is somebody comes into your world and kills you before you can actually play the game, and that happens over and over and over again, like that's not fun at all. Um, and I think, but I think that there's something also like kind of subversive about that as well. Like they, they created this kind of toy box for people to play through and have these grand experiences with like that people talk about on this podcast all the time. And that also like people can come in and kind of fuck your world up too at the same time (laughs) is, is really fascinating to me. I don't actually think that they meant to do it. Like I almost think that they, they put it there kind of thinking like, Oh yeah, people could have fun with this, not realizing how much like, not necessarily griefing, but how much trolling people could do. Yeah, I, I definitely think a lot of the stuff going on was um, unexpected, unprecedented, maybe. Um, even going back to like the scraping spear in Demon Souls, I don't really think they uh, expected people to be using that as a huge griefing item. Um, even though when the Souls, uh, when the Demon Souls servers were active, it absolutely was. Um, and yeah, it was on FromSoft's part. It was probably totally unintentional. Um, and like, I am of of two minds about the whole concept of like low level griefing um, because it is, on some level, yeah, it's part of the experience, and it's you know it can add to other people's experiences. But it's also yeah, like you said, it's not fun to have that happen constantly. And um, that actually, I had a, a brief period of that with Dark Souls One uh, because I misread what the dried finger did, and I thought it staved off invasions. So whenever I didn't. <laughs> want to get invaded i just popped the dried finger uh, that's really funny like it sucks and i'm sorry like i don't mean to laugh at your pain or anything but wow yeah that's no, that's, that's so great 
that's happened a couple of times <laughs> where uh like i'll invade somebody and they'll try to use the uh black separation crystal to get me out of the world because if you just read the description it's like get rid of phantoms and they're like oh yeah i want to get rid of this phantom immediately and i'm like no homie that's not how that works <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw somebody um i i forget who it was uh but they were like running kind of a a trollish they were like pretending to be a noob in Ulysseal mm-hmm. and they had like an item that simulated the black crystal. Like if you were looking at it as another player, you would think they were using the black crystal. Um, and they would just like walk around all frantically and like beg for mercy. And then when the invader would come in, um, they would parry them immediately and then switch to the dragon's tooth and smash him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> See, and like, I don't like, like I'm, I'm chuckling. Like I have that. I can just hear my like evil dark souls laughter as I'm hearing that story because I've seen that video and I love it so much. And it's like, it's peak dark souls trolling to me. And at the same time, like I, I cause it's, it's actively trolling like invaders, right? Like it's people that are trying to, yeah. you know, interfere with other people's world. So it's okay to, to like that, I guess. But man, I just, I love that so much. <laughs> you can can just screw with people that much in these games they're some of the best things ever right yeah it's it's great and i i feel like it might be coming across wrong when i say it but like i have no problem with pvp anymore it's just not for me i get why people do it it's yeah i'm fine with it was there a time where you were you were were kind of trying to to get into it uh when i was going for the plat in dark souls 2 actually um and and in dark souls 3 um I was yeah, I was mostly trying to get a hidden weapon for the sorceries thing in uh, the sorceries trophy in Dark Souls Two, and I didn't feel like killing the Mad Warrior thirty times, so I just got into the Bellkeeper's Covenant and uh, tried my best there. I didn't do great, but I got the sorcery, and that's what mattered to me. That's what you were looking for, so that's that's all that mattered. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think? I, uh, I what do you have, th- what, what is it like? Is it just that that idea of just kind of ruining somebody's day? Is that what's is that what's that doesn't click with you, or is it just something you don't really care about? I, I mean, it's partially I don't want to ruin somebody's day, and then partially I'm bad at it. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not good at PvP. I never learned how to parry properly. I did a soul level one run of uh, Dark Souls one. Um, I did that. I have notes for that as well. Um, I did that in about like two weeks in the lead up to Dark Souls two, and that was the only time I really learned how to parry because I had like a plus fifteen battle axe and nothing else, and I needed to kill Gwyn. Um, so that's what I did. But other than that, like. I mostly just use backstabs when I need critical attacks and everybody knows how to avoid backstabs. So <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your soul level one run. Like what, what was the idea behind that? Was that just a, a ch- like I want to do this because it's a challenge and I've heard other people do it and I think I can, or was there something else to that? That was mostly it. Like I was, I was really, really thirsty for dark souls Two content at that point. I remember going into, um, either peeve or Oro's, uh, preview stream for Dark Souls 2 and when one of them got it like early and I remember hearing that you started out with one Estus flask in Dark Souls 2 and I got super hype and I was like riding that high for a while and then I decided you know what I really need more Dark Souls in my life I want that challenge I want to uh, get destroyed so I'm gonna do a soul level one run and that was just you know plus 15 battle axe um, ascended pyromancy flame plus five uh basically kind of my first build, but deliberately soul level one this time. Um, and yeah, I just, I wanted the challenge. I wanted to see if I could do it. And, um, I haven't really done it with any other games. I think like the most, the furthest I've gotten into like a so-called challenge run is like in dark souls two, I will try to light every torch at every bonfire in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I don't know if there's any name for it. There's no real purpose for it. It's just kind of to prove I can do it. Um, and that's the closest I've gotten with any other challenge run, but the soul level one in dark souls one is the only one I've done. Did you have fun? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, <laughs> I was expecting it to be a lot harder than it was, but at that point I had like a solid two or three months of the game, like mainlined into me. Uh, I had a really solid understanding of the game and it was just, I, I wasn't like tearing through it because it did still take me two weeks, but it was not as difficult as I thought it would be to just dodge things instead of getting the like, face tanking stuff. Yeah. It's amazing once you, and this is what uh, eventually happened to me, which is why when Bloodborne came out, I was kind of ready for it. I had been in Dark Souls 1 PvP. I had dropped using a shield for a long time. So I, and I was just dodging people because shields are kind of, I mean, they're useful in PvP. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, but it's, you know, you can do better stuff. And then Dark Souls 2 came along and I was like, well, I've not really been playing with the shield in PvP. So let me try this in PvE. And of course, like it worked fine. So when Bloodborne came around, like it was like, oh, there's no shields. And everybody was kind of upset. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> not worried about this at all. So. Yeah, I did. Um, in, in Dark Souls 2, I did do like a cosplay build one time. I just remembered of a Kaine from the first Nier. And I just had two enormous Morikumos um, and the witch's dress. It was not a very good cosplay build, but it was the first time I went without a shield. And mm-hmm. I think I ended up beating the game with it. Um, that's so I, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Was, I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out uh, what the uh, like what the outfit to cosplay Kanye would be. No, Con- I said Kanye. Jesus Christ! Different different <laughs> cosplay would be required. <laughs> yeah, you just put have Kanye power in here. Basically, put Kanye in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, that's a lot of fun. I like I like cosplaying the the characters quite a bit. Like that stuff is is, is always just a whole, a whole lot of fun to me. Um, because it's I don't, I don't know. Like there's something about like even like, like there's the PvP troll thing where you can you know, pretend to be one of the NPCs or what have you. But even just like, you know, I'm going to role play this character moving through the game, I think has a lot of value. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't think a lot of people got it because I don't think a lot of people had played near at the time. Um, but like when I did get invaded, it was, it was fun trying to figure out how to use two Morikuma, uh, Morikumos to my advantage. Um, because, like, I don't know, it's I'd never done shieldless before. I was used to being able to defend things. And, again, I just had to get good at rolling and dodging and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's, it's just one of those things where, like, if you start it, it seems impossible. And then all of a sudden it clicks and you're like, okay, why have I, ne- why have I not been doing this the entire time? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see. I think, um, I think around this time. So, I'm looking through my notes. Um. I got Dark Souls 2 came out um, around the time that, and I think I mentioned this in my initial email, um, like my journey with Dark Souls has been kind of like a literal journey. Um, so Dark Souls 2 came out a couple weeks uh, before I had to move across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunken King came out a couple weeks after I got my first apartment um, in California after like um, two and a half months of being homeless, which was super great. Um, and the Dark Souls 3 came out a couple a couple weeks before I started a new job up here in Seattle, um, so like each of, each of these big things in the Soul series have come out at a huge point of transition in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just interesting to think about. Um, and oh God, I was I was so excited for Dark Souls three. Like initially, I thought um, 
I, I saw the release trailer for it at E3, and I was like, hmm, do we really need a Dark Souls 3? <laughs> and then I started seeing more footage for it, and I was like, I need Dark Souls 3 immediately. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need it right now. Please pour it into my veins. Yeah, that's that's what it was. And um, I ended up rolling in in my initial Dark Souls 3 build. I did uh, Spell Sword, which is kind of what I usually do. Um so just sorcery, and then also uh, I got the the deep battle axe from the mimic in Wathrid Castle, um, and that was kind of my best friend for most of the game, um, and that was kind of what I did in Dark Souls too as well. I rolled sorcery, and then the fire short uh, fire long sword, I think it was in mm-hmm. um, yeah down there, um, and that was that was also a lot of fun. Um, I did unfortunately get spoiled on uh, An Orlando coming back, um, but I don't know like. I hear a lot of people talk about how the lore of Dark Souls 3 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, And, like, I get it. It doesn't really bother me that much, uh, because I love when people do kind of have to do these mental gymnastics to try to piece everything together. I love watching Vadi make increasingly longer videos trying to link everything back together into one cohesive timeline. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love that it doesn't always work. (laughs) but like there is there is one thing and i know i'm kind of like taking control of the podcast right now so i do apologize for that oh no um, I'm, I'm all into it go ahead take control but the li- the list i have to do the better i am so go ahead <laughs> assuming direct control um so the thing the thing i don't really like about dark souls 3's lore and how it operates is that there's still you still have to fight lothric and lorian even if, you know, at this point, the player, if they play the other games, knows that linking the fire is bad. And the Twin Princes know that linking the fire is bad. And I think there's enough evidence in the game for the Champion of Vash to figure out that linking the fire is bad. And nobody wants to do this. But you still have to kill the Twin Princes, even if you completely agree with them. And I think it, it probably there's no uh, there's better. no There's no area to, to break away from it, from the, from the actual story of the game. Exactly. And I think it would have been, I I see why they didn't do it now that I'm thinking about it, because it would have been exactly the same as Bloodborne. But I think, you know, if we had the option to fight or not fight the Twin Princes, um, and then we could go on to the Soul of Cinder as like a bonus boss, Mm -hmm. like kind of like the Moon Presence, like I think that would have worked a lot better and made it seem kind of a little less video gamey. But I, I don't know. I mean, I was still super satisfied with it. I still love the Twin Princes boss fight. So, um, I think at this point I'm just kind of like complaining to complain. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the story about dark souls three right there is complaining to complain. <laughs> I think, uh, that's like probably one of the most, like one of the best and also most maligned games out there, uh, for, for all of the problems that I have with it. Uh, like it's, it's still one of the most playable souls games. Like, and I think that's cause I picked it up recently for, um, I was supposed to be on one of the Aegon's videos and unfortunately I had to cancel. So sorry, Aegon, if you're listening and also sorry, Sin and sorry, Richard, like they were also on that thing. And, uh, <laughs> but I picked it up. They were going to be talking about the profaned capital and I was like, Oh, I want to go. I haven't played this in a long time. So let me go through here and like, see if I can get summoned. And man, the game is just a joy in your hands. Like it's just so much fun to play, but it's, it's easy, especially the farther you get away from playing it. It's easy to to think about all of its shortcomings and not think about any of the actual like mechanical greatness of it. So, I think that's one of those things where, man, like it could be better. <laughs> it definitely could be better, but it also it's probably does not deserve the the amount of kind of trash talking that it gets just in general. Yeah, I feel that way about uh, 
Dark 2 and Dark 3, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's easy to, the further away you get from these games, like you said, it's easier to ignore, like, the quality of life improvements that these games incorporated. Like, I, I love Dark Souls 1, but let's be real, the UI is garbage. The UI has always been garbage. I don't like that there's a stat that's completely useless. <laughs> that's, that's, like, in there, like, as a trick from FromSoft. <laughs> but, and, and like... They they fixed a lot of that in the sequels, and they made each game progressively more accessible. But there is also that malignment of these games. And not to say it's not entirely undeserved, because I could talk a lot about, you know, HP bloat, which has come up a couple times on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, that's probably, like, the worst. That's the that's the one thing that you can stick to, to the Soul series as it's, as it's gotten more popular over time, is just, like, it's... They've they've leaned into the marketing, the difficulty marketing in a way that I don't think makes a, a lot of sense for the for the games. Yeah, I I had a lot of issues with Dark Souls Two being marketed as like the hardest game ever made with like uh, Prepare to Die was the tagline for but, uh, Go Beyond Death. Mm-hmm. I I didn't like that for multiple reasons. Uh, it's a bad tagline, and it was also um, I don't know it. It just leaned way too much, and I think it was like Bamco's fault more than FromSoft. But it leaned way too much into the difficulty of the games, and I think it kind of marked a uh, a sudden shift in direction for the series that I'm not super happy with to this day. But I mean, I could I could talk a lot about that. Um, but it would probably just be repeating the same stuff that you say because it seems like you've uh, you've put a lot of thought into this already. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, feel free to talk about whatever. But yeah, like I have definitely put a lot of thought into it because it's it's something that I talk about a lot with people, um, and not just on this podcast, but just in general as being kind of a Dark Souls podcaster. It's something that comes up quite a bit, and it's I don't know, like it's it's just kind of fascinating to me uh, because at the same time as I like I look at some of the people doing lore videos and like these guys, these people are my friends, right? Like, cause I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say anything bad about them, but a lot of the times I get kind of exhausted with it, with dark souls three lore. I'm like, okay, like you keep pulling at these threads and I, I'm, I guess I'm glad you're having a good time, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me the way that hearing, uh, like some of Vadi's old stuff or ENB stuff or Quaylog's old stuff on YouTube for dark souls one and putting those pieces together. Like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a difference of like, at the time I wasn't expecting dark souls to have this. And now everybody is expecting to have those dark souls to have those threads that can be tied together. I don't, I don't really know what the difference is. Like it's something, it's something I do think about a lot though. So, yeah. That, just rambling that makes sense. Point. Honestly. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's, it's fine. That's, that's what this whole podcast is. It's just two people rambling about dark souls for an hour. It's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Cause like part of the thing that took me by surprise with dark souls one, I, I distinctly remember this was, I thought it was just going to be some kind of like hack and slash game with like very minimal story. And then I started getting into it and reading the item descriptions and learning more about the world. And I was like, Oh, it comes with lore. And that was kind of like the end of it for me. And I fell super deep into the body pit and just, yeah, at, at the time, it was unexpected for a Souls game, for me at least. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, as the series went on, people started expecting the lore to make more sense and also to tie in with the other games in the series. And I think if you try to, at least with Dark Souls 2, it's harder obviously with Dark Souls 3, if you try to take uh, Dark 2 as like a self-contained story, the lore makes a lot more sense if you stop trying to tie it into things. But it's... Even then, like they did, kind of lose the thread at some point. I think. Yeah, and it's it's and it's you know, like I, I you know I, I read um, 
my friend Theomini does these really great articles about talking about that ties kind of all of these theories together in like one overarching narrative. And I think that stuff is, is super interesting. And I know she, she puts a lot of work into it and it's, they're, they're really fun to read, but there's something, and, and this is no insult to Theomini, but there's just something there where I just don't care at that point. And I don't, again, <laughs> I think it goes back to something like, okay, now, well now that everybody knows that it's there, I'm less interested, which sounds like a very hipster thing. Like now that, Oh, well, now that everybody knows Nirvana, I'm not, you know, I'm way too cool for Nirvana or whatever. Like I'm not, and I'm not definitely not trying to be that way, but there's something to that. Like there's something there that I haven't quite figured out. Yeah, I, I definitely feel it. And like, you, you don't have to worry about sounding like a hipster. I compared Dark Souls to House of Leaves. Like, come on. That's true. Yeah. Um, you've out hipstered <laughs> me on this podcast. 100%. <laughs> with that in mind, uh, like with with all of that in mind and thinking like of the evolution of the souls games over the last you know almost 10 years now what 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 do you want to see from from software at this point like is that do you want to see them continually you know evolve along these lines or to have them see something completely new or or what what are you looking for so i think a lot of the i think the answer that a lot of people give is like sci-fi and obviously they have the Armored Core background. I've never played any of those games, so I don't know how it works out. But I think sci-fi and Souls, if they wanted to keep along the Souls thing, I don't think they're going to mesh super well. But like sufficiently advanced magic is indistinguishable from technology. So if they did a Souls game um, where like magic was the whole point of it, and it was like actively powered by for real magic, like soul energy or things like that, you could do a lot of really cool stuff with that, I think. And I'm just saying that because I love magic. Like, let's be real here. I know it's it's catering directly to my biases, but I think that would be super cool to do. Um, I think if if the leak is, or if the rumor is correct and Shadows Die Twice is cool on two, um, that could also be super cool. Basically, I'm I'm ride or die for FromSoft at this point. Like, I think it's <laughs> happened. So whatever they put out, I'm going to be happy with. Yeah, like literally anything that they put their name on or, and put out, like as a like, hey, this is our this is our new game is going to be something that I'm excited to see. Like, there's there's no question. Yeah, of basically. That. Uh, I, I was actually talking about this with the Omni that, that I just mentioned, and this was I don't know why I keep bringing up the Omni. So hi, the Omni, if you're listening. <laughs> um, of like the idea that it's going to be Kuma two, and somebody's going to walk into, um someone's going to walk into a GameStop and they're going to see like this weird cover and it's going to say from software and there's going to be a big sticker that says like from the makers of Bloodborne and Dark Souls and they're going to pick up and they're going to be like absolutely I'm ready I, will, I, I like those games and they're going to take it and they're going to go home and it's going to be like some weird first person dungeon crawler and they're going to die in the first seven minutes and I'm going to just laugh right like that's just got to be the most it's going to be the one of the the most active trolls like to and it's, it's fine like they should be able to do whatever they want to and I think they need to I think they need to do something that's not you know this over the over the shoulder third person stamina based kind of combat system just so that they can, you know, be able to do anything because I think that's what people expect. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited to see what they come out with. So, yeah. And you know, by the time this comes out, uh, they'll, they'll probably have put out more information on it maybe. So, um, maybe we'll both be surprised in a couple months. <laughs> yeah. I, um, this will probably come out right either before that should be around E3. Like I don't, I haven't looked at, see what E3 is or anything, but, uh, it'll probably be something around there at that time. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm very hopeful that we see it and see exactly what that is. But of course, you know, we all have the remaster. So even if the E3 announcement sucks, everybody will be playing Dark Souls one anyway. So <laughs> that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be super great. There's, um, I know they're gonna be at PAX East showing it off. Nintendo's gonna be there, so I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, yeah, that, 
I, I don't know if I have any expectations for it. I don't know if you were like leading into that question, but I, I don't know. I like Dark Souls 1 as it is. I think maybe cleaning up the UI a little bit would be nice, but I don't expect them to change a whole lot. Uh, and it's it's still Dark Souls 1, like at the end of the day. So it's still a really solid game as it is. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't, window. I don't have any expectation of them doing anything differently. Like the, the people got mad on the internet when Nintendo did that uh, direct thing, and like you saw footage, and it was like, oh, that looks like Dark Souls One. I was like, yeah, they're making that game again. Like they're, it's just, they're just, it's just that game. Like <laughs> I don't know what you guys expected for it to look like. Everyone was like, oh, it should look like Dark Souls Three, and I'm like, no, it looks like Dark Souls One because that's the game that it is. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> you guys are crazy. So. Yeah, it's not a new game. It's a port. <laughs> well, Celine, thank you very much for, for guesting on the podcast. I, I very much appreciate you getting up early. I know it's, it's super early on the East Coast, so th- thank you very much. Um, this has been an absolute blast, so I, I really appreciate you guesting. Yeah, this has been delightful. This has been the best way to wake up in a while. <laughs> so thank you for having me. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the Internet, should they choose to do so? Uh, so I have a Twitter. It's at Ombrophilia, uh, O-M-B-R-O-Philia. Um, mostly I just talk about whatever I'm into, probably some 60 hour JRPG or souls. Um, and I also have a, uh, a SoundCloud, um, cause I do occasional like chiptune composition, things like that at a uh, soundcloud.com slash Roseward, the band, uh, R O S E W A R D. Oh, cool. Awesome. I, um, I didn't, I didn't realize that, but at the, uh, with anybody that comes on that, that does music, I usually try to grab one of their songs for the outro. Is it okay if I grab one of your songs and put it at the end? Uh yeah sure by all means I'll give you one of my like actual finished ones awesome yeah yeah definitely send me the track and I'll make sure that it gets on there and uh, and thank you again for guessing sure. this has been an absolute gr- treat yeah absolutely thank you so much as always I've been your host Jeremy Greer you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer you can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. dot com that has links to all of the social media sites Patreon shirts discords anything that you want to happen that's right I said Discord I don't know that I've actually said that out loud on the podcast yet. But we have a Discord. It's open. Anybody can join. You can come in and hang out and talk about Dark Souls or uh, Australian pop music from the 80s, which seems to be dominating the, <laughs> the, the general topic right now. So that seems weird. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for sharing the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for leaving iTunes reviews. All of that stuff is really, really welcome and super nice. And uh, I very much appreciate it. And remember, don't give up, Skeleton. Yeah.